Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. today. Amen. We appreciate the prayer and uh, ask God today to just touch our hearts as we endeavor to look into his word. As you've already heard, we're starting a new series for this month and uh, we're just going to be talking about the the overall title of Practice Makes Perfect and uh, there's just nothing like the the repetitive nature of doing something. We're here this morning, and I understand that for many, if not most of us, it is our culture to come to church on Sunday morning. It is our culture to do what we're doing. We are accustomed to starting at 10 o'clock, and if you're like me, if if something keeps you out of the house of God on Sunday morning, and at 10 o'clock, you kind of feel discombobulated because you realize I'm, I'm supposed to be doing something else. There's something to be said about those disciplines, and so... Um, I want us to look into the word of the Lord together and ask God's spirit and his presence to abide. Let's not just try to run through something today, but I believe the Lord can speak something into our heart and our lives. I believe as the people of God that there is a certain call upon every life. I have declared that every year that I have been behind this pulpit that I believe that the church as a whole has a call of God upon their life not just a handful of people, the pastor, a few ministers in the church, and the leadership of the church. But I believe that irrespective of whatever title we may or may not possess, that we have a certain call on our life, uh, many calls as a matter of fact. I believe that one of the calls is to be righteous. And so we got to practice things that lead to righteousness. You're not just going to wake up righteous. We're not just going to morph into something that's righteous because we live with an Adamic nature. We live with an old man. We live with a sin nature. And um, I won't put anybody on the spot, but I believe we've all thought things that shocked us to no end. Like, where, where did that come from? We may have said things that shocked us to no end, or maybe we said things that should have shocked us to no end, wondering where in the world was the author of that? Where did, where did such a thought come from? Well, the author of that is... Satan himself, sin. And uh, so we have to exercise our, ourselves. The Bible says in 1 Timothy, Paul said to his young protege in the gospel, he said, he said, exercise thyself unto righteousness. You got you to gotta exercise yourself unto godliness, rather. You have to exercise yourself unto that. It doesn't just take place. It doesn't just happen. And so there are obviously some differences between righteousness and godliness, but they have many similarities. In Scripture, godliness is more Godward than manward, while righteousness has more to do with the uprightness and how we deal with one another, the day-to-day living, how we treat our brother and how we treat our sister in the Lord. 
And uh, the scripture teaches us that righteousness is attained by faith, but it has to be worked out. And we work that out by our dealings and how we deal with one another. The sense of community. I understand that we have a, a little bit of our own vernacular in the church, and and uh, and uh, I don't think that's wrong. But uh, I, I think that many times we we all understand, or at least a lot of people understand, what we say when we when we say things like "I'm thankful for the church." Well, we're not really talking about the building. I'm thankful for the building. When I say I'm thankful for the church, I'm not even talking about Hatchbend Apostolic Church. While that would be a part of that statement, I'm just thankful for the church as the body of Christ. Amen. Bodies of believers all over the world. I'm thankful for the church. Amen. And so while we understand the the value of that from time to time is underscored in our life, if we have a need in our life, certainly the, the power of the church, the strength and stability of the church comes into play and we sense that and feel that. Uh, most all of us have been the recipient of the blessings of the church, the local church. We may have been going through a time of sickness or despair and someone was there to encourage us or help us in a tangible way, very, very obvious way. And so we feel in those moments, I'm thankful that I'm not alone. But can I tell you that even when we don't have those pronounced moments in our life, that the church still serves the same identical purpose Amen. The attributes that, that we exercise uh, in our life, we're not just doing that for the sake of having something to do, but God is trying to develop in us something that he sees in us. And I will say it again uh, today, as I have said so many, many times, repeating Brother J.T. Pugh many years ago when he said the saddest thing that could ever happen to any of us is to, in eternity, be stood beside the person that we could have been the person that we could have been. And uh, I don't say that to sound haunting, but those words really pierced my heart when I heard them many years ago. And I don't repeat them because I don't have anything else to say, but I repeat them because they were branded in my spirit. And so I want to I wanna look back and I want to see what I can do to become everything that God would have me to be. Jeremiah 18, let me just, uh, let me, uh, just stray for a moment. Jeremiah 18 talks about... Uh, the, the potter that was working with the work on the potter's wheel. And the Bible says, and it became marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make it. And uh, I'm thankful that, I'm thankful for the restorative nature of that scripture. That if it was marred in the hands of the potter, it was marred in the hands of the one that could do something about the mar. But the thing that troubles me a little bit is that it was made again another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make it. I want to be what God intends for me to be. Amen. I don't want to have to just settle for what God had to deal with and work around because of the scars and the mars in my life. Because there are some things that we can do that can hamper what we would be able to accomplish for God had it not been for that. Let's look back at the early church in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 46. The Bible says, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. And so the, the early church... A snapshot that we have of them very, very early on after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. 
Amen, was the fact that they were practicing this sense of community, this sense of oneness. I'm not talking about a commune or anything weird or out, uh, really out in left field, but I'm talking about this sense of community, and there should be a welcomed sense of community in the church. I feel very honored when we have guests that attend our church and they say how welcome they feel when they come. Amen. I would rather them, I would rather them feel that than just be impressed by something else that we do, whether that is by way of a, some program or a song or whatever it may be, that we must first feel this sense of welcome within this community called the church. The early church, it was just a part of their nature, and they set the pace, they set the tone. Consider this, the, the early church, the disciples, they followed the Lord together, they listened to him together, they witnessed all of his miracles together. Together they heard his command to wait in Jerusalem or tarry there until you're endued with power. Together they watched him ascend to heaven. Together they waited for the promise of the upper room. Together they prayed. And while they remained together in the upper room, the Holy Ghost fell upon all of them. Amen. So I'm thankful to know the power of being together, together, that operative word. It's a common thread that should run through the core of every one of us. It's easy to allow our nature, our old man, our human nature, to bleed into our spiritual and into our personal lives. You see, we have, by nature, a very, very broad streak of independence. We just want to do it our way. Amen. It, that nature is, is, is so revealed in the lives of even children when you're trying to feed them and all of a sudden when they have enough motor skills to reach for the spoon, they want to feed. I will do it. I will do it. I will do it. Well, that nature, they don't grow out of that. We didn't grow out of that. You, you may not still be reaching for the spoon, but I will do it. It's still in us. As much as it has ever been, I will take care of this. I will, I will handle this. And, I, and it's that go-it-alone mindset. We've got this. We've got this. But that's not the Lord's design. Not at all. Amen. So if we look at Scripture as a guide, we can find that discipleship and the community of the church all happens together. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul illustrated the five-fold ministry he gave us the apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He made it clear that there is a certain job description for this five-fold ministry. This is not just people to stand and mark time, or these are not just someone beating the air, but the job description, the end result of the five-fold ministry is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It is for the edifying of the body of Christ until such time we are unified in faith, amen, and matured in Christ. We are all going somewhere. And so with the, with the efforts of all of the, the branches of ministry, we are all, are all being channeled to one specific place. It's interesting how... Paul described the production of these outcomes. He said in Ephesians 4, 16, he said, from whom the body, the, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual work and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And so Paul noted the important 
growth process. It is very, very important to grow. You know, we jokingly say to our children and sometimes especially children perhaps of our friends and we haven't seen in a little while and since the last time we were together, their children have grown up so tall and I've said and I've heard others say something like, you know, we're going to have to put some books on your head. We're going to have to stack something on you to keep you from growing. And there's a little part of us that would, that would like to keep them in certain stages of their life. Now, I don't think anybody wants to keep them at the terrible twos. We're throwing a little fertilizer on the ground trying to help them through the terrible twos. But there are certain stages that we would love for everybody just to be able to stay at, to have that sense of innocence, to have that sense of wonder. Amen. But it is very, very important. It's not practical, of course. It is very, very important that we grow in the Lord. And with growth, there's growing pains. Absolutely. There, with growth, there's growing pains. I, if, I've, if I've shared this recently, forgive me, but I, I read a little, uh, something was reminded of it. I'd heard it years ago, but uh, it, was, it was practical tips for raising children. And uh, if you have a child, they said that the first thing you do is to go buy a wooden barrel with a hole in the side of it. And you put the baby in that hole and you feed it through that hole. And then when it turns 16, you plug the hole. <laughs> And there you have it. Amen. There you have it. There you have it. It's, it's, it's important that we grow. Amen. Not, it's not practical that we just stay at one stage. We have got to keep growing in the Lord. It's not always fun, and it's not always easy. And there are seasons of life that it is very, very difficult to get through. But aren't you glad to be able to look back and realize that we are growing in the Lord? We are really growing in the Lord. You know, it's easy to think that we have never changed, that there is no change. And uh, we meet people from time to time, maybe we haven't seen in a long time, and they say, you know, you haven't changed a bit. I appreciate that compliment. And if it's appropriate, if it's appropriate, I always jokingly say, I think I have pictures at home that could disprove that. <laughs> I think I have pictures at home that could disprove that I haven't changed a bit. Amen. We have to grow, and that is part of the design of the Lord. Amen. The emphasis is to grow, not just individually, but to grow as an entire body. In 2017, there were uh, 452 cases of the uh, Zika virus disease that were reported in America. Maybe you've read about this through the years because it pops up from time to time. But one of the sad effects that this virus has on humanity is found in the lives of newborn infants. And... Uh, this particular disease causes a child to, to have disproportionate growth in certain parts of their body. They grow disproportionately. And so as a society, we can really understand that this is not good, that we need to grow in proportion, that we need to grow together, all of the parts growing at the same rate. And we expect that uniformity of growth not just to happen physically, but to also happen spiritually. Amen. So with, with growth expectancies in mind, Paul expected maturity of the entire body of Christ, the entire church. And so it was the Lord's desire and design to see that the church grow together. John uh, capsulizes this idea in his third epistle. John Third John chapter 2, the Bible says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, 
even as thy soul prospereth. A lot of people quote a portion of this scripture, that thou mayest prosper and be in good health. And they think that now because of that, that God just wants us to prosper physically. But he also wants us to prosper even as our soul prospers. And so I would tell anybody in this room, you go as high in this world as you possibly can. In your career, whatever, wherever you can go, that you can take God with you. Wherever you can go and there's still a climate and an atmosphere that your soul can prosper, then that would be all right. But the very moment that you're offered something that, that, uh, that comes in opposition of your soul health, of your soul's condition, then that is not a move in the, in the right direction. That's not a wise thing because we have to grow naturally and we have to grow spiritually. So, so here is where this comes into play within the church. The growth of one person in the church should inspire growth in other people in the church. And so that is the power of community, the power of being together. As we see some growing in the Lord, then we should also want to grow. And so in part, this is why I have always admonished people to connect yourself to someone that is more spiritual than you are, someone that is more prayerful than you are, someone that is more studious than you are, someone who has greater insight to the scripture than you have, because the last thing you want to try to be is the smartest person in the room. But insecure people don't like what I'm talking about right now. Because insecure people want everybody in the room to be a little dumber than they are, a little less than they are so that they can seem superior. Amen. I didn't mean to be so blunt there right out of the gate this morning, but it's the truth. They want to be the brightest bulb, even if it is a small chandelier. They want to be the brightest bulb. They want to be the biggest fish, even if it is a small pond. But if we are, what, if we are to become what God wants us to be, I want to rub shoulders with someone that can challenge me to be greater, surround myself with people that force me to look inward and force me to look upward. Amen. People that force me. I, I'm, I'm thankful. So I am so thankful for friends who understand more about the word of God than I do. It makes me want to go home and dig it out. It makes me want to go home and just pull it apart. I'm thankful for people that have a greater prayer life seemingly than I have because it makes me want to go home and pray even more. Amen. That is the beauty of the church. We're not trying to intimidate people into, into growth, but inspire people into growth. And there's a tremendous, tremendous difference between the two. And so those things keep us reaching and stretching and, and growing in the Lord. If we think about the natural body for a moment, the body grows as every individual part of the body grows. And as a result, because one part is growing, the other part gets to grow. And so that's why as a body of Christ, as a local church, that we should continue to grow ourselves. And in doing so, we're going to inspire others around us to grow. Amen. I believe our expectation for a lot of things has increased through the years. I really do. I really do. I believe that you have an expectation when you come into this church I believe you have an expectation for us to sing every song in key. I think you have an expectation that the, the musicians are already going to know what, song, what key the song is going to be singing. That's just an expectation you have. 
can remember when it wasn't. I'm not just talking about here, but I can just remember when it wasn't. I can remember when somebody grabbed the mic, started singing. And they were nowhere on either one of the 88 keys. They couldn't be found. Like it couldn't, it couldn't be found. They were somewhere in the middle <laughs> of all of those keys. But we have an expectation. We come in expecting those things. Why? Because somebody started challenging us to grow and challenging us to be more and, 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 and saying we can do a better job of this. Not the showboat, but this is the, hand, the house of God and the work of God. I believe there is an expectation of, of ministry when you walk into the building. There are certain things that you're just going to expect that whoever steps behind this pulpit is going to be able to feed us something. We're going to walk away. We're not only going to be fed while we're here, but we're going to be able to take something with us away from this service and we're going to be able to feast on that for some time to come amen and so as we grow it forces all of us to grow it raises our expectation level and we're excited about that amen but more than just a theory we we see this clearly played out in the early church the bible says in acts 247 praising god and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The Lord added to the church. The baptism of the Holy Ghost was never, never uh, intended to leave people alone in their experience. Amen. Not to just receive the Holy Ghost and then just be out on an island by yourself. Where to from here? Amen. This is an experience that God has designed in his word to fill individuals. Amen. And then add them to the body of Christ. Add them to the church. I've quoted so many times the 68th Psalm where David said, God setteth the solitary into families. I'm thankful for the family of God. Amen. I'm thankful for the family of God. Praise God. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful, grateful for the church. The church is not perfect. If you're looking for flaws, then just get out your pencil. You can find them here. If you're looking for failures, then you can list them. Uh, you can list them a mile long. But if you're looking, amen, for people that are reaching and striving, not happy with where we are, reaching for more, you can also make a list about that. Amen. I'm thankful for the church. The church, the church is not the church is not a perfect atmosphere. I'm not saying we shouldn't be striving for perfection. But if people have got problems, I'm thankful they're here. They're in the right place. They're better here than they would be at home on their couch. They're better in the house of God than they would if they were in the bed this morning. And when we've got another chance, we got one more opportunity. One more at bat. We've got one more chance to make a difference. One more sermon to be able to preach. One more song to be able to sing. One more moment of ministry to be able to expose them to the power of the church. Amen. We were never intended to be islands alone. When Luke penned these words he recognized the value of community. He recognized the value of being together. They were together learning from the Lord. They were together when he ascended to heaven. They were
were together when the Spirit of God fell and they would remain together as the church began to grow. Even at times, you read through the scripture in the book of Acts and you'll see there are times where the church was troubled and you'll see times where people even got at odds with one another. But don't stop reading because if you keep reading, you'll also see where they came back together and they made wrongs right. Amen. They merged themselves together realizing that, you know what? I really do need them in my life. I may not agree with every little thing, but I really do need them in my life. I'm thankful for the power of the church. And so, you know what we're doing here this morning? Amen. We're practicing for heaven. We're practicing for eternity together. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the church. Discipleship or growth, it must happen, but it will happen right here. We even witnessed this sense of community at the original outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. I want you to note with me, if you will, in the first four verses of Acts number 2, of chapter 2, amen, the use of plural pronouns. I want us to just look at that in these four verses. Amen, there's a sense of community that was evident right here in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were standing. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat down upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was never designed to be about me or to be about you, but it is about us. Amen. It is about us together as a family, as a body, as a unit. Amen. We need one another. We need one another. I'm going to tell you, think long and think hard. Let me just be your pastor for a second here. Think long and think hard before you scratch somebody out of your life because you never know at what point God is going to lay you and your situation or your child upon their heart. And that may be the very, very voice. Hear me this morning. I'm not batting the air. Hear me today. I'm not just speaking to have because I have nothing else to say. You never know when that may be the very person that God moves upon to fast and to pray over your situation, your sickness, your child. It may be that very person that you don't understand or that you don't get along with. It may be that very person that God uses to build a bridge to something very, very important in your life. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I wish I wish every one of you had got up and just run around five acres when I said that. But I'm going to forgive you. You never know. You never know. Intercession, you never know where it's going to come from. You never know. They receive the Spirit together while they were praying together. And together remains the primary way that we are going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the primary way. Now, I understand that there are people, even people in our church that have received the Holy Ghost while they were alone. Some received the Holy Ghost while they were home or different things of that nature. But together, primarily, primarily, the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Ghost comes when we are together. Amen. But don't discount what God can do in your home. 
So don't discount what God could do in your automobile riding down the road. Why? Because you see, the Holy Ghost is not connected to the piano. The Holy Ghost is not connected to the keyboard or the bass guitar. The Holy Ghost is not connected to this microphone. The Holy Ghost is God's promise. Amen. And when you begin to feel that urgency, when you begin to feel that, you need to let go and let God. Amen. And let the Lord baptize you with the Holy Ghost. He can, he can do that. I, I've told the story of a, of a, a young man we met many years ago that received the Holy Ghost in the back seat of a deputy's car. He was, uh, he had been arrested and he was in the back seat of a car and the deputy was, was a man, had the Holy Ghost and had witnessed to him many times and also arrested him many times. <laughs> he got the Holy Ghost in the back seat of that patrol car. He planted himself in that local church. God can touch you anywhere. As I said a moment ago, he's not going to fill us with the Holy Ghost and leave us where we are. And for Chuck, he was really, really thankful for that, that the Lord didn't fill him with the Holy Ghost and leave him where he was. He got out of those handcuffs and got into a church, and, and the Lord helped him. And I'm telling you that the power of community, we can receive what the Lord has for us. Amen. Prior to that day, the 12 apostles, uh, disciples were accustomed to learning together. They, in the presence of the Lord, Continuing in that custom, the same disciples ministered together in the crowd on that day. Amen. The Bible says in Acts 2.14 that Simon Peter stood to speak with the eleven. That is so very, very important. Amen. Those three words, with the eleven. It was not just an experience that took place in community. Their following ministry took place in community. It wasn't just the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that happened in this sense of community or togetherness, but everything that took place after that was in that same vein. Simon Peter did not go out on a limb alone with such an important message. The Bible says that he stood up. And I'm saying this and I'm underlining this because many people say, well, I would rather trust the words of Jesus in Matthew 28, 19 than to trust the words of Simon Peter, the words of a man in Acts chapter 2, verse number 38. But Peter wasn't out here by himself on a limb. Amen. He stood up with the other 11. If Simon Peter was making this up as he was going, somebody would have been raising their hand, pulling his coat and saying, wait a minute, that's not at all what we were instructed. But they all understood clearly where God was taking them. Amen. The ministry and community is a ministry that not only is supported, but it is made accountable by fellow disciples. Later, Paul recognized and he embraced the ministry of accountability as well. And we look at his words in, in the book of Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. He said, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and, use, and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Amen. Now, I understand how much the climate of our world has changed in recent times. And uh, if we were to just go back just a couple of decades, I understand how much the, the climate of our world has changed. But I'm going to tell you something. I believe if some for some reason that our forefathers, I'm talking about our church forefathers, could come back and see the church today, I don't think they would shake their head in disappointment. Amen. But I think that their chest would swell with thanksgiving that the gospel is still being preached. Churches are being built. The gospel is reaching around the world. 
frankly, more effectively today than ever before. Amen. Where is all this happening? It's not happening because one person got a vision, but it's happening because a community of people got a vision. I'm thankful for ministry. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for the body of Christ. Amen. I'm thankful for people that hold my life to a higher level of living. I'm just going to be frank with you. I'm just thankful for friends that just hold my life to a higher level of living. Amen. They're just expecting more out of me. They are looking for more out of me. And I didn't come here to parrot or to, to be a puppet this morning, but because of their life at a higher level, it makes me want to live my life at a higher level. I'm not talking about keeping up with the Joneses or what you wear or what you drive or what kind of the house you live in, but I'm talking about in the spirit. Amen. I'm thankful for people that challenge me to be more, challenge me to be better. I'm thankful for the church. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for the body of Christ. There have been some days, because you see, as I've said many times through the years, I'm not sure I've convinced everybody of this, but I've said many times through the years that Sister Boyd and I do not live in one of these little rooms on the platform. We do not go back there and fold ourselves up until Wednesday and pop out here. Everything's all right. We live in the real world. And everything that happens in your life happens in our life. Amen. And so sometimes, sometimes there have been times that, that our life has been pulled and, and stretched and certain days have been just so filled with stress that had nothing to do with church. It just had everything to do with life. And yet, according to the calendar, tomorrow is Sunday. And it's Saturday night. My mind is like a kaleidoscope instead of a microscope. Not too heavy for you, is it? And there have been times, and I don't lean on this. I don't just use this as a crutch. But there have been times I have said, Lord, and, and I'm looking at the clock, in so many hours, these sweet people of this congregation, they're going to gather in, and Lord, they're going to come with an, with an expectation. And if you won't bless me for me, Bless me for them and give me something to feed them. Give me something to challenge them. Help me to, Lord, they're gonna come by faith. They're gonna get up hours before 10 o'clock. They're gonna prepare. They've thought about this. They're gonna burn gas. They're gonna, they're gonna expend energy and I'm asking you, God, to help me. I, what am I doing? I'm leaning on the sense of community. We're a body of Christ. We need one another. We're coming with a sense of expectation. And I just know you guys too well. You're not going to settle for milk and gravy. <laughs> That's right. I just got up here and read a few scriptures and ambled around. You're going to be going, something's wrong. Something's missing. And so the sense of community keeps me digging. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. The sense of community keeps us praying and it keeps us studying and it keeps us searching. I'm thankful for the, the, the ministry of the church that just keeps all of us at a higher level. Amen. I don't want an us for and no more mindset. 
I don't want us to ever think about it. I don't care what day it is. I don't care what time it is. Sunday, Wednesday, or whatever. Well, it's just Wednesday. It's just us. For, you got you to gotta rebuke that and get that out of your mind because we don't know what need is going to walk in that door on a Wednesday night. And so if we come back in here and we're in, in some disengaged state of mind, if we're in some disengaged state of spirit, we're not gonna be able to minister to that need. I'm thankful for somebody holding me to a higher level. It's not just Wednesday. It is Wednesday. Amen, and we got another chance, another time to go to the house of God. And we're gonna preach as hard as we can. We're gonna sing as hard as we can. Hallelujah. We ought to play our music like it's the last song we're ever gonna play. We ought to sing like it's the last time we're ever gonna sing. I want to preach like I would never have another chance to preach. Praise God. Why? Because the sense of community, the power of the church has lifted us to another level of expectation. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the power of the church. And we're going to keep practicing until we make this perfect. We're going to keep trying. Maybe we didn't have the best year last year. Maybe we didn't have the best year the year before. But we're not going to get a padlock and lock these doors. We're not going to put a real estate sign in the foyer. We're going to, what are you going to do? I'm going to come back Wednesday. What are you going to do if it don't work Wednesday? I'm going to come back Sunday again. Why? Because we are going to keep hitting this. We're going to keep hitting this again and again and again and again and again. Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise God. Maybe, maybe somebody with an electronic device, find me the scripture where it says the word is like a hammer on a stone. You can be seated. Amen. Come on now, you're under pressure. Whoever is doing it. I see some of you staring into space like you don't know what an electronic device is. Amen. The, the word of God says that the word is like a hammer. Amen, like a hammer. You can hit a stone with a hammer and that thing just bounce back, almost hit you in the forehead. Think, well, that didn't go over too well. Well, that's not gonna work. But the emphasis and the implication here is to just hit it again. And to hit it again. And to hit it again. And to hit it again. And one of those times you just hit it. You got it? Read it. Read it. That breaks the like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I've preached sermons. I'm just, this is Confession Sunday, I guess. But I've preached messages I thought for sure. I mean, I almost wanted to put in my notes, pause right here and get that them shout. Just pause right here long enough for them to get it all back together. And you know what? I was just hearing crickets. I mean, I not this, I just hearing crickets. Just nobody's moving. I mean, I hit it. I hit that rock with a hammer. And that hammer almost come back and hit me in the face. And I thought, what in the world just happened? And, and, and I could have a tendency to think, well, they're just 
just carnal and they didn't come to church with God on their mind tonight. Or, and I can, or I can just say, you know what? Maybe I'm just not what I used to be and maybe God's through with me. Or either I can say, wait a minute. Hey Amen, that is the devil's pleasure to try to take me out of the community of God. I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pick up that hammer. Hey Amen, I'm gonna come back again and I'm gonna hit it again. Hey Amen, I'm gonna hit it again. I'm gonna hit it again. And one of these times, it's just gonna break open. It's just gonna pop open. Why? Because the word of God is true. It is sure. Amen. And it will meet its desired end. The word of God. Praise God. Praise God. The Bible says in Acts chapter two, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Being together in this group, it brought us a heightened sense of awareness to, to their spiritual need. And, and, and this is so important because, you know, if we're just home, we can think, I'm pretty good. This, this is all right. Because you've got nothing to compare that to. If you're just by yourself... You've got nothing to compare it to, but when you come together, I'm not talking about keeping up with the Joneses. I hope you're getting that. Amen. But I'm saying when we come together and we hear those prayers, we hear that voice challenges me. I'm not saying this to embarrass Brother Fears, nor am I saying this to uplift Brother Fears. I can't tell you how many... Sunday mornings, I walked into my office and I heard his voice praying intercessory prayers as he went from classroom to classroom praying for students and teachers alike. Made me want to pray. Made me want to pray. Amen. There are times, of course, we've all made mistakes. That's why I'm not ashamed to be here with you today. We've all made mistakes. And it's at that point of failure that our flesh says you need to stay home. Stay away. Shame, guilt, remorse. The list goes on and on and on. Just stay home. It'll all be better. But do you know that is the exact wrong thing to do? If you failed, get up. You may show up here Sunday morning. You still get you still got a bloody nose from the battle you've been in. But come on to the house of God. Because there's just something about the community of God. Just something about being together. There's strength. There is strength. There's peace. Amen. We find, we find so much betterness in our own heart when we are together. In His presence, we can be mended and strengthened and... and uh, When you, when you see others that have more forgiveness maybe than you have, it makes you want to be more forgiven. You see people that have more compassion than you have, it makes you want to be more compassionate. Amen. It, it certainly should. When you see people that have so much mercy to extend to others, it just, it just makes you want to be more merciful. It challenges us, challenges us. 
thankful for people in our lives. We need to have people in our lives who really, really, truly can speak to us. People in our lives with veto power. Let me ask you, who in your life has veto power? Who in your life, what is their name? Where do they live? I'm not talking about somebody who lives in Hawaii that you see on Facebook every now and then. I'm talking about somebody who knows us, that has veto power, that can say, you're wrong about that. You have that person's name in your mind. You close your eyes and you see the picture of that person in our mind. See, a lot of people claim to have accountability partners, and it's just a claim. We really need a sense of community. Amen. Brother Ken Stewart said many years ago, uh, he said, if you have an accountability partner, and he was talking to men, he said, if you have an accountability partner, they're not your accountability partner if your wife don't have their cell phone number. Ouch. Because, see, we have the tendency to play everything on. How's everything going? Great. But if our accountability partner could pick up the phone and say, uh, Sister Boyd, I think it's time to shift the gears here, isn't it? I don't know where all everybody that was really with me a while ago, I don't know where they went. This sense of community keeps pushing us up, raising us higher. Amen. That's, that's when... when Gossip starts and it does. That's where you need somebody to say, hey, whoa, whoa, we're not going to do that. That keeps us in check. It helps us. When we say, I'm giving up, I'm not going back, we need somebody to say, whoa, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. When somebody says, I'm not going to be there Wednesday, I'm not going to be there Sunday, because I've got this issue, I've got that issue, somebody needs to be able to say, get up and get dressed and I'll see you at church. It's, it's practicing, practicing. I know I've said it many times. Let's stand if we can give you some relief here. But I am so thankful, so thankful to be one of many that are in this congregation today that never one time heard our parents say, are we going to church today? I'm thankful for that. Just, it was church day and we're going to church. Because they understood the power of, I got to be there. I want to see one another. Amen. Well, so much more that could be said today. But I'm thankful for the church. You know, when I think about the church at large, which certainly includes the local church, and obviously that includes this church, I think about um, the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, who's in a great storm in a ship, and the very nature that I started out talking about this morning, that nature that says, I will take care of this myself. I will do this. I will work this out. That nature, Brother Trill, was present in the lives of those men 
and they were going to jump overboard and get out of that boat and they were going to try to save themselves. Now, I'm not being critical about that at all. I'm not being cynical about that. I think that tendency would have been in me if I had been on that boat. But Paul said, an angel has stood by me this night. And he said, stay with the ship. Not one life is going to be lost. Brother Polk, I think they had many times to think about that. <laughs> when everything's going crazy and the boat is breaking apart and they're hearing Paul say, and not one person's going to lose their life. He, oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. But they all made it safely to land. I've, I've, I've been encouraged by the fact that some of them made it safely to land and they were holding on to a piece. <laughs> Just a piece of the ship will be enough to get you safely there. Just a piece of the ship. And so I say to you this morning and I say to me this morning that I don't ever want to discount the power of the church. Amen. We go through storms individually. We go through storms in our own personal families. And we go through storms as a church. But you know what? Stay with the church. Amen. It may be taking on water. That's all right. Stay with the church. Amen. It, it, you may get tossed, tossed from side to side. That's all right. You're still safer in the church. The power of the word of God. Can we lift our hands? Lord, I love you today. And I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the power of your spirit that we felt this morning. Amen. Let's magnify the Lord in this holy house together. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.